Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. If you're welcome, we, can we welcome our campuses in Appleton, Germ- Germantown, Brookfield, uh, Milwaukee, online? Wherever you're connecting with us from, we're glad that you're with us and we're glad that you're here and we want to welcome you to Life Church. I know there's a lot of great churches you can be at and participate in, but the fact that you're with us, we're honored to have you today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, let me turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to get into this message, this new series in a moment. But before I do, I also want to say a big thank you to all of you for your generosity uh, last weekend. So we presented an opportunity for you kind of above and beyond greater which is our kind of our missions giving arm here at the church. And uh, you responded with incredible generosity. So right now we're about a little over $100,000 in that offering that came in last week. Uh, the goal is one hundred and thirty. And so, again, some of you might have been gone. You might not have been able to be here. Oh, I, I wanted to do something for that. So uh, to close that gap in, again, no pressure. Do what you want to do. $100,000 is amazing. Uh, but my experience has been that that, Last 30,000 will come in in the next seven, eight, nine, ten days, and then we'll celebrate that. But I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for responding. Thank you for giving. Um, the other thing that's just very, very interesting to me always is when, when something like that is happening, it, it's not like it's, it's going from, well, we're not going to tie this week. We're just going to give here. We're not going to do this. We're just going to, no, it's above and beyond. And that's the amazing generosity that you are, Life Church. And so, again, just wanted just to say thank you for that. And we'll be giving you an update on that. And, uh, and then as soon as that building gets built, you'll see a picture of that. We'll probably be invited. And uh, I know Tammy wants to lead her trip to India. Now she's laughing. So her last memory of India was uh, Calcutta getting on an airplane trying to convince the flight attendants that she was not sick, and she was. And um, anyhow, and then that's, that's the last thing I hear from her is, I, I, I got to go. And I was like, oh, Lord. Because that, that was me. Check me into, like, the nicest hotel. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I am not getting in a metal tube for 18 hours, right, to fly. And, uh, and so to get here, but she's a trooper. She's tougher than I am. I know that's not a surprise to any of you, but anyhow. So, uh, but, but anyhow, but we'll, we'll have an opportunity to be able to see that and do that and be a part of that. So I just want to say thank you again for your incredible generosity. And I, I hope that you know how generous of a church that you are. And again, just want to say thank you for that. We're starting a brand new series today. It's a three-week series that will lead us right up to Easter. And again, I would encourage you. You're starting to see promotions for Easter. There's invitation cards for Easter. The reason why is studies show over and over and over again, if you, not me, people think I get paid to do this. Your campus pastor gets paid to do this. We're on staff. We invite people to church. That's what we do. But when you... Someone who is a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, you invite someone to Easter, they are highly likely to come unless they have previous plans or engagements. Uh, same way with Christmas, Christmas Eve services, Christmas weekend services. People, they just typically tend to go uh, unless there's some extenuating circumstance. And the, one of the great things is because Easter is so late this year, uh, a lot of spring breaks are not tied or tethered to Easter the way they have been in years past. And so this is a great opportunity, meaning people are home. They're here. They're going to go somewhere. And uh, I know you think everybody goes to church every weekend just like you do. Amen? Uh, yeah. 
I know those of you that do and don't, and I'm just teasing. But I'm just saying, like, you, you think that's, and, and so the reality is, is they don't. And so, especially even with COVID, people have gotten out of the habit and the practice. And it's just a great opportunity to invite people. As well as there may be brand new people that live in your neighborhood that just bought a house, sold a house, whatever. Invite them. You know, they're, they're moving from a different part of the country, a different place, whatever. You know, we see different uh, license plates in our neighborhood from time to time. It's like, oh, there's somebody great. They're, they just moved here from South Carolina. Let's invite them. And so at least when I go to the door and say, howdy, neighbor, they're like, oh, there's someone who talks like I talk. <laughs> it happens. So anyhow, um, so, so I just encourage you to do that. And, but as we start this series on bridges, it's going to be a, it, it, this, this bridge series is really about the relationship that we have, first of all, between us and the Lord. It's a relationship that we have between uh, each other as as. And, and walking in unity, which is a message that I think is always timely. And then also a bridge that we build to the world. And so it's a very simple message, but I'm going to walk through this passage that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, see, a bridge is simply this. It's a structure that's built over a gap that connects two previously unconnected spaces. A bridge is simply a structure that's built over a gap that connects two previously unconnected spaces. Now in our country, you've heard a lot on the political scene about crumbling infrastructure and about bridges and overpasses. Fern Hollow Bridge in Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh, was built in 1973 for $1.2 million. It's a 497-foot steel span bridge frame bridge. Has about 14,000 cars a day. And in January 29th, we woke up that morning to find out on the news that that bridge had collapsed with morning traffic and commute going into Pittsburgh that morning. Bridges are incredibly important, especially if there's been a bridge there and it's gone. Or if you're trying to get from point A to point B and it's a span that's bigger than you. It's beyond what you have the ability to jump or to leap, and sometimes we like to think we're Superman, but we're not, and we try that only to kind of fall and, and find ourselves there. Today, I want to talk to you about the bridge that God builds for you and I through Jesus Christ. Again, some of this may be elementary for some of you. Some of this may be you may not even be a Christ follower. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're at a campus, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a great message for you to hear today. Maybe you've got friends or family members or coworkers that you go, man, they're just right there, but they've not yet crossed the line. This is a great sermon just for someone to hear, a message for them to hear of hope, how much God loves us. Because our world will tell us that if we have a distance, a span, a gap between two points that we cannot cross or traverse, that we just need to figure it out in ourselves. that self-help is the way. Matter of fact, if you go to a physical bookstore, you'll find that that self-help section just keeps getting larger and larger and larger as we try to figure it out more and more and more on our own. But the solution is never self-help, according to the word of God. The solution is a word called salvation. And that's what Paul talks about. So I want to read this passage and I want to unpack this today. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. And you were dead in the trespasses and the sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, 
and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, and among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now skip on down to verse number eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. So in verse one, this is my first point. In verse one, he, he begins it with, you were. You were. He, he talks about the fact that before Christ, this is where you were. That you were, you were, it's your past. It was before Jesus, it was you were a sinner. He says, you were dead in the trespasses and trespasses and sins. We've all been there. Maybe you are there right now. What kills us is, 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 is not us. It's the sin. It's our sin nature. It's the trespasses. It's God sets his word and says, this is, what, this is what we need to live by because he is the creator. He gets to establish it as the creation for us. And so we can't get to there. It's, 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 it's a bridge too far. It's, it's a span too far. We, we, we can't, we, we try to make it. We, we try to be good. We, we try to be perfect, but, but, but we can't. And the thing that kills us, the thing that gets us, it's not our inadequacies of intelligence or emotional capacity. It's not our desire. It's not even our want to. If you've ever figured that out, sheer will will only get you so far. Even secular psychologists today will talk about how you want to make change in your life. New York Times bestselling authors on change will talk to you and will say, hey, self-help, sheer will, willpower will only go so far. But man, how do we try? And the truth of the matter is, is that we're dead because of our own sin. We're dead because of our own trespasses. He'll talk about it on in verse 2, that this is the course in which the world works through. This is not a new thing. This is not something that just began with you. You're not the only person that's dead in your sin and trespasses. It's something that we all, he says in verse 3, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were nature, uh, and by the nature children of wrath. Again, it's, it's, it's original sin. We, we were born into this sin nature. And, and again, I've had theological conversations with people from time to time. I don't know if I really believe in that. And, and I don't really think that. I think that we're all born pure and, and just without any problems. And then this world corrupts us. Let me take you to the infant nursery right now. Let me take you to the two-year-old room. Just talk to the parents of these beautiful children that were on this platform a few minutes ago for baby dedications. Oh, they're wonderful kids. Beautiful. Beautiful. Delightful. Yeah. But, but there's something inside that just is like, it's mine. It's, it's, it's my way, right away. Now, before they ever even know what Burger King is even about, it's like, that's their slogan. Like, no, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And if I don't get what I want, then I'm going to have a meltdown. I'm just going to completely, in the middle of Target, I am going to scream like you have hit me and, and like, like you're beating me. I, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I saw a lady one time 
was going to a movie. It was a grandmother. And I could tell she had had all she could have, right? She was like at that Popeye moment when he's about to pop the can of spinach, you know? <laughs> and that child was just melting down. And she turned. And I'm standing right here. She's in front of me. Get the concession. She looks at him and she said, I swear to the Lord above, if you don't stand up and you don't, look, and you don't keep your mouth shut, I will beat you until you are gone. She was like, that kid was like, oh, he was immediately like to attention. She was just, she had done everything she could do. I, I wouldn't prescribe saying that or doing that. I'm just telling you what I observed, right? Um, it's just, it's, it's our nature. And as we get older, it's, it's, it's the world in which we live just kind of goes, it's okay. And if we're not careful, we start thinking, well, it's okay. It's okay that I do this. It's okay. You know, may, maybe the pastor's wrong, and he can be. Maybe, 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 the, you know, maybe the Bible was translated poorly. Maybe it really doesn't mean that. Maybe, maybe there's really more to this. Maybe there's just, maybe I'm being too legalistic. Maybe I am whatever. And the enemy of your own soul will try to make it more and more and more about you. And the truth of the matter is this. We're born into this sin nature, not by choice of our own. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in that, we're born into that sin nature, and then we do what everybody else does. We sin, and we fall short of the glory of God. And what Paul will write to the church in Rome is that there's none of us that are righteous, not one of us. And so that's where we were. And that's Paul's example. I mean, the author of Ephesians, Paul, he's a persecutor of the Christians. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's embroiled in this legalism where he's keeping the letter of the law, the Torah, the Old Testament. And he participates in the stoning of Stephen, who is the, one of the first deacons in the New Testament. And, and, and until you see yourself as a sinner, you'll never see your need for a savior. This is the reason why secular society constantly wants to go, we don't really believe in original sin. It, you're really not as bad. You're really not whatever. And, and, and the deal is, 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 yeah, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has a great plan for you, and God's great and all that, but you've got this kryptonite. You've got this issue. You've got this thing. We all do, every one of us. It's different for all of us. That It's just, this is my weakness. This is my sin. This is my frailty. This is what I deal with. And that's the reason why, like even as a pastor, I talk about sin, not because I'm trying to be judge and jury, please. The older I get, the longer that I stand and preach, the less I want to be that guy. It, you know, it's kind of like what you should have asked me about parenting when before Tammy and I had kids. When I had a Labrador retriever, I could tell you all about how to parent your kids. When I was a youth pastor, oh my goodness, I could do this and this and this and this. I'm telling you, I have apologized to every parent that I've ever seen that I had their kids in youth ministry. I'm so sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry I put you in that position. I'm so sorry that I was, please accept my apology. And they go, you've got kids now. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> it's humbling. It's humbling, Right? You know, and then they get to a certain age and you're going, you're going to wear that? <sighs> and I've got girls. Oh, my goodness. Right? The hormone Hilton. I'm just telling you, like, it is drama, mama, all the time. You don't understand, dad. You don't understand. This is what everybody's wearing. Well, if everybody was going to go jump off of it, you know, you can, right, or are you going to follow suit? I mean, it's just, wah, wah, wah. It's just, Right? You with me? So, so, so the deal is, 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 is the truth of the matter is, is that we, we, we're, we're born into this and, and, then, and then we trespass and this is where we were. 
And we find ourselves as a sinner. And, and the world wants to say you're not as that bad, but the truth of the matter is we are. The truth of the matter is we've got to look in our sin and understand that God said this is what I need you to do and that you and I don't measure up. That's where we were. And the only way to span that, to bridge that gap is through Jesus Christ. Johnny Cash said it this way, how well I have learned that there is no fence to sit on between heaven and hell. There is a deep, wide gulf, a chasm, and in that chasm, there is no place for any man. You were, that's what Paul would say. And if you've been saved for a long time, if, you've, if your salvation experience happened 10, 15, 20 years ago or further, never forget where you were when God found you. You, you want to make sure you're not a crusty Christian? Just remember where you came from. Because it's real easy after you've been doing this for a while to kind of put Christianese and Christian spin and just kind of put your thing on. It's easy to judge from your point of strength, not from your weakness. It's easy to sit there and fold your arms, go, I don't know if I would do it that way. It's easy to armchair quarterback every decision that's coming down when you're not in the huddle and you're not behind the center and you're not in the middle of the action. It's easy to do that because we forget how bad we were. We forget how sinful we were. This is one of the things I love about Paul. Paul talks about his junk. He talks about his sin. He talks about his weaknesses. He talks about who he is and who he's not. And only but by the grace of God go I, Paul says. You were. And then those two words that began in verse number four, but God. I love those two words, but God. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket, but God. Everybody's about to lose, but God. You're dying in your sin, but God. You were born into your transgressions that you had no ability to control. You, you committed sin. You trespassed against God. You allowed your own flesh of your mind and your body to take you places that you don't even, you would never want to be on the screen and anybody to see, but God showed up. Don't ever forget that it's that but God moment. It's by the grace of God that we've been saved, that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any of us become boastful. It's that but God moment that he says. And Paul's but God moment, he was on his way to the high priest. And Ephesians 9, 1 tells us he was still breathing murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord. And then Jesus comes and appears to him, knocks him off of his, of, 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 of his horse, and, and he's blinded. And he's taken to a disciple named Ananias who prayed for him, believed in him when everybody else was scared of him. And Ephesians 9, 18 said, something like scales fell from Paul's eyes and he regained his sight. A truly, I was blind, but God, now I see moment. Paul writes to first, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, this, I thank him who has given me strength through Jesus Christ our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a, a persecutor, uh, uh, an insolent uh, opponent, but I received mercy and I acted ignorantly in unbelief. See, Christianity, to follow Jesus, is not a behavior modification technique. It is a transformation of the soul. This is the reason why self-help is really of no help at all when it comes to this. Because it's but by the grace of God that I'm saved. It's by the grace of God that I'm standing before you. It's by the grace of God that you're in this room. It's by the grace of God that the parents that stood on this platform earlier that dedicated their children, it's by the grace of God that God's going to help them and see them and, and, and do great and wonderful things in their homes and their marriage and their lives and their children and their families. It's the grace of God. It's this soul transformation. It's God 
comes into my heart and into my life, and he does a work in me that I cannot do in myself. He changes me in a way that I cannot change myself. He renews my mind. He cleanses my heart. He gives me peace that I cannot find anywhere else. You ever had those moments where anxiety and fear and panic so grip your heart that you cannot sleep? And you get up and you walk the floor and you can pace the floor and try to process it, but it doesn't alleviate it. You can take medicine and it will be gone for a moment, but it will come back. You can talk to everybody till you're sick of talking and it's no relief, but you get on your knees and you go, oh God, in this moment, I need the peace of God that passes all understanding to rule and umpire my heart. I need you to step into where I'm at. I need you to reach into my soul. You pray one of those Psalm 51 prayers, creating me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your spirit from me, but, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it begins to lift and this sweet presence of the Holy Spirit begins to fill your heart and the things that were weighing on your soul begin to go and the panic is driven away. Why? Because you don't need behavior modification. You need a soul transformation. And you go, that sounds so easy, but yet it's so not. Because the price to pay for that was Jesus going to the cross for your sins and for my sins, dying on the cross for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for you and for me so that we might become the righteousness of God. How do you receive that? Oh, it, that's very simple. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and you will be saved. And the peace of God that passes understanding will umpire your heart. And the joy of the Lord that's your strength that will go above and beyond any happiness this world can ever bring will live inside of you. See, this doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. It's a true transformation of the Holy Spirit, of the work of God. Jesus bridges the gap between sinful man and a holy God. And how does he do it? Paul says, by grace. Verse 8, by grace. It's by grace that I've been saved. It's by grace that you've been saved. It's by grace that these families that were standing on this stage or dedicating their children to the Lord are saved. You could be born in a lot of places in this world today. You ever thought about that? You could be fleeing Ukraine, going, I, I didn't ask for this, this isn't what I wanted. I, 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 running for your life. But yet you're here in America. And I know America's not perfect, but I'm telling you, if you've traveled much at all around this world, there is no place that is as blessed as this place is. We got our problems? Yep, I got it. Don't email me. If you're gonna email me, it's rcoggins at lifechurch.com. <laughs> Just, that's not even my name. Someone's like, what's, who's R. Coggins? Just email him. He'll talk to you. <laughs> You're here. That's the reason why I like what you did last weekend with the offering for India is important. You weren't born into a Hindu family that believes in a gazillion gods. That's more confusing than a termite and a yo-yo. I mean, like, where do you do with that? Like, which one gets you? We don't know. So we believe in all of them. You're, you're not born in a place 
where you don't have access to the gospel, you don't have the Bible in your own language? Do you know there are places in the world that have no Bible in their heart language? Dozens of countries in this day and time. You you don't live in a place where it's illegal to own a copy of the Bible or read the Bible or practice your faith openly? No. But by grace, I got up this morning and I said, thank you, God, for a strong body and a healthy mind. By grace, thank you for heat and a house. By grace, thank you that there's food in my cabinets. There's hot, fresh coffee that's in my coffee maker. By grace, thank you for the technologies and all the things that I have that make my life so much easier. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you, Lord, for for my daughters. Thank you that they're healthy today. Thank you, Lord, today that I get to go and worship together. We have choice in this. And I get to go to a great church with great people and get to worship you openly without any type of, 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 of impairment, any, any type of, of, of anybody pushing back. And it's, it's by the grace of God. And, and thank you, Lord, that, that all of this, th- thank you, God, for in, in my case, maybe not in everyone's case, but in my case, I was raised in a Christian family that taught me early on. I, I, I was raised in, in, in going to church, and, and this is the way I was brought up in that. I, the, it's, it's you teach and train a child when they're old and when they're, when they're young, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. I, I was taught God's word at an early age. I was, I was taught how to serve the Lord at an early age, and I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. I, I grew up in a, just a, a, a layman's home. Some, some, my, my, my dad worked in a factory. My, 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 my mom was the, the manager at the, at the local Avis counter at, at, at the airport, and, and I, I was raised in it just, just a good, godly, solid home. Thank you. Thank you that my wife was raised that way. Thank you, Lord, that we raised our children that way. Thank you, God, that I have an opportunity. Thank you. This is why I don't understand why people don't go to church. I don't understand why people don't, don't avail themselves of things. We're, we are so blessed. And I think part of the reason why that I am so much this way is because I've traveled to so many places and I've been in so many countries where I, I've been detained momentarily because I was bringing things into the country that I wasn't supposed to bring in because I was leaving them for pastors, you know what I'm talking about? And, 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 I, and, and are these yours? And uh, yes, they are, God forgive me. But yeah, yeah they're, they're all mine. And uh, but knowing that I'm gonna give, leave this Kindle here and this Kindle here. And I've been to places to where they, the underground churches and, and communist countries and places that I can't always talk about in public and, and things that are happening and things that are going on. And, 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 and I just go, and, and every time I'm in those rooms, every time I'm in those spaces, those people are so desperate for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God comes in such an amazing way because all they had to go through. And I think to myself, but by the grace of God, I would be here. My kids would be here. This would be it. But I I live in a place where I can get up and I can go to church every day of the week if I want to. I can go to every prayer meeting. I can go to every Bible study. I can go to church every service. I can watch it online. I can tell my friends and my neighbors about it. I can go, I can go, I can go. It's the grace of God, right? That's the grace of God. And you go, man, you're just, but, but sometimes we don't think about this. Paul, but by the grace of God, he, he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor of the church, but God showed up. Think about it, and even in the New Testament, you know, the woman that's caught in adultery. And she's literally brought 
to the city, to the center square of town, and all of her accusers and all the religious leaders in that area circled around her. Interesting, they didn't bring the guy. Just a thought. He's just as guilty as she is, amen? And Jesus, we don't know what he wrote. It's one of those things I want to ask God when he gets to heaven. What did you write? I just wonder if he wrote the names of all the people that she had been with. And they all start dropping their rocks. We don't know. But the Bible says one by one, they all dropped their rocks. And the only person that was left, according to the law, that could have stoned her was Jesus. And what does he say? He doesn't lecture her. Why? Because I already know my own sin. I don't need you to point it out for me. I already know, but by the grace of God. Even if I'm just brought from the bed of adultery into the, into, into the public square, I know. And he says, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He addresses her sin in the form of go and sin no more. There's grace. Lazarus was one of the people that Jesus would have frequented his home on a regular occasion. They were family friends. They were like brothers from another mother. I mean, they were tight and he dies. They've already buried him by the time Jesus gets there. And the Bible says that Jesus cries. He doesn't cry often. There's about four recorded times in the New Testament where he cries. And he cries. And then he speaks that voice. (laughs) I get emotional thinking about this. Because every one of us will stand before a holy God one day. And that same voice that spoke, Lazarus, come forth. We'll call your name and your name and your name and my name. I don't know if you've ever been around people that are significant or successful or a celebrity in your world. And if they know your name and they say your name, it's like, wow, they, they know me. Or if they point you out of a crowd with other friends and colleagues, it's like, wow. It's like, but this is the voice that spoke the stars and the world into existence. This is the one that spoke life. And just as he did with Lazarus, he'll do with us. He'll call each of us by name and we'll give an account for the life that we've lived. And the thing that we all desire is to hear, Aaron, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. And he calls Lazarus and he tells him to come forth. And from the back of that grave, he walks out. But by grace, grace, undeserved, unmerited favor, and I'm way out of time. But the criminal on the cross, I love the picture of the cross for a lot of different reasons. But on one side of Jesus is a criminal whose heart is so hard and he's laughing and jeering and just, it's all about him. It's kind of how the world is. But on the other side, there's a criminal who is like, you didn't deserve this, Jesus. We deserve it. Have mercy on me. And right there, the man has no ability 
to make any penance for his sin or his ways or his criminal activity. And in that moment, Jesus tells him, today you'll be with me in paradise. You are saved. Can you imagine? Like, I want to see that on the heavenly IMAX when I get to heaven. I want to see when Jesus comes walking in and he's overcome death, hell, and the grave. And before he comes and he makes himself known to the disciples yet one again, before he ascends to the Father, when, when he comes through and he walks through the, I, we would call it the pearly gates. I know there's theological problems with that, but just bear with me for a moment. I'm from Arkansas. So he walks through the pearly gates and who does he have with him? This thief on the cross. The most undeserving person in the world. <laughs> and he's with Jesus. Can you imagine? So the entrance, the, the, the way that the, that the angels would, would, would go on and on. And we see in the book of Revelation. And God the Father standing there. And they're all there. And right next to him getting the same royal treatment is this thief that was on the cross that just cried out for mercy, but by grace was saved. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so, so when we talk about a bridge between us and God, it's a God that loved you and I so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that if we would believe in him, we would not perish, but have everlasting life. So today, maybe you're still living in the you were era of your life. You're living in your sin. You're, you're living in your own passions of your mind and your body, as Paul would say, as he just wrote there in the book of Ephesians chapter two. And you're going, I, I want that but God moment. That, that, that's what I want. I wanna pray for you. I, I, I wanna pray for you in just a moment. At every campus, everywhere, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I wanna pray for you because if that's you, I want you to give your heart and life to Christ. I want you to experience the grace that we've all experienced, the grace that I've experienced. I, I'm not perfect. I, I say this all the time. If I only preached the parts of the Bible that I was good at, it'd only be maybe one, maybe a half of a sermon. And it'd be really short. You guys would like it because it'd be, and you know what it'd be every week. It's not about perfection. I can't span those two points. But the bridge that makes a difference up is Jesus. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now? Every campus, online, wherever, just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're a Christ follower, just pray right now for people that are, that are at every campus that are far away from the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you say, Aaron, I'm, I'm in that, you're, you were, I, I, I'm far away from God and, and I want Jesus Christ to come into my heart and come into my life. I want to experience the grace that you're talking about. I, what I'm going to ask you to do is at every campus, just simply flip up your hand high enough for me to be able to see it campus pastor would be able to see it. Just slip it up and back down. And then I'm going to pray for you. It's that simple. It's that easy. If that's you today, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, man, Aaron, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just up and back down every campus. Thank you. Even if you're online, you can just hit the raise your hand button right there and just, and they'll just, you just let the camp, the online campus pastor will be there to kind of minister. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? every head bowed and every eye closed. I just, out of reverence in this moment and at every campus, I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me. And praying this prayer doesn't save you, but if you believe the prayer that you're about to pray, the Bible says that the peace of God that passes understanding will come unto you and the joy of the Lord will be your strength because salvation, that bridge between you and God will be bridged. And you'll experience the grace of Jesus Christ. 
So with those of you at every campus, lend your voice with those that may be praying this prayer for the very first time and pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior. I am a sinner, lost in my sin. And I believe that you, Jesus, are my salvation. Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave, just like the Bible says. I ask you to allow your amazing grace to transform my soul and my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray right now for every person that prayed that prayer at every campus, online, wherever they are. I pray, God, that you let the joy that only comes from you, God, that joy that comes from your precious Holy Spirit, just to flood them right now. Let the peace of God that passes understanding be so real in their life. And God, I thank you for the amazing grace that we all have the opportunity to share in. In Jesus' name we pray, and we give you praise and glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise for people that made decisions to follow Christ today?